You're listening to the Inbound Logistics Podcast with today's guest, Luis Bazan, Bridge Director for FAR International Bridge. In a turbulent economy that is forcing many companies to ride waves of uncertainty, FAR International Bridge finds itself in a position not just of strength, but of growth as well. With strategic business decisions and key investments in infrastructure, FAR Bridge is looking to expand into 2021 and beyond. Bridge Director Luis Bazan joins us to share just how FAR is bridging the gap into the new year. Joining me today is Luis Bazan, Bridge Director for FAR International Bridge. Luis, thank you so much for coming back to the Inbound Logistics Podcast. Happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity, Jeff. Good morning. Good to have you back. Luis, how are you holding up in uh, the current crisis? And uh, what kinds of things is uh, Far Bridge doing to respond to the whole situation? Sure. Well, you know, we're in a very privileged setting out here in South Texas, here in deep South Texas, along the U.S.-Mexico border. Um, and I say privileged because uh, we haven't really seen much of a downfall uh, at our bridge particularly. Uh, when you start looking at the numbers and, you know, you go back to March, middle of March, when the pandemic started, I had just been in New York back in to late February, and we were there sitting down in your, in your uh, place there, and we were talking about all the great things we were doing. And, you know, once March came around, uh, we were thinking, you know, uh, we were talking to the board of directors, we were talking to trade associations and all our customers and trying to get a feel for what was coming. And we said, man, April is going to be a bad month. You know, we're going to lose 30, 40% of trade, you know? Um, so we calculated it as such, and we only lost about 13%. If you were to compare April, 2019 to April, 2020, uh, came May, uh, we were thinking, well, we did pretty good in April. Let's see what happens in May. You know, maybe we're not going to be too bad, you know, maybe 20, 25% loss. Uh, and we lost 7%. So we actually went up compared to April. And as of June, Jeff, we've been doing great. Uh, We haven't seen any um, negative numbers since June. And as a matter of fact, for the the month of September, we grew by 17.17%. So actually, September has been our best month uh, in the history of the FAR International Bridge. Uh, We brought in about uh, $1.4 million just in revenues for southbound traffic alone. Uh, When you're looking at truck crossings, you know, that was the most we've ever crossed in the bridge's history. We've been around for almost 26 years now, and we crossed almost 60,000 trucks just going southbound. When you look at the comparisons, you look at northbound, you're looking at 120,000 trucks in and out uh, through this international bridge. So despite of the... um, the current circumstances, the fact that, you know, business is not at 100% uh, for some reason, you know, and I mentioned this when I was in New York, and it was really tough for people to understand this, that we're in a very privileged and a very blessed situation here. Um, as the only full service commercial bridge in this region, I think the numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. That's great. Um, are there any specific commodities that are experiencing that growth uh, in, in particular? Yes. So... One of the one of the biggest ones is LNG, so liquid natural gas, a lot of petroleum products uh, in the energy sector that are going into Mexico. We've been we've been seeing that for the last three months in a row. Uh, you know, on the export side, things just spiked in the energy sector. 
Um, we continue to see, when you're looking at northbound traffic, we continue to see an uptick in produce, even throughout the summer months. Usually the summer months are very slow. As a matter of fact, the month of October is our big month for start of the produce season, and, and uh, we're going to talk about that too today, but um, we're about to do a kickoff for the produce season, which we've done here every October for the last six, seven years. But, you know, throughout the summer months, we were averaging at least fourteen to 15,000 uh, shipments um, per month of produce. So that's, un uh, that's, it's unseen. You know, we've never seen that before. Um, again, we've seen it. We've seen it starting in October all the way through maybe March. We've seen 15, 16, 17,000 ship, shipments of produce coming in from Mexico per month. But now we got to see that through the, uh, the entire summer. That was something, you know, that was something to, to kind of witness. Now, you sound surprised, pleasantly surprised. <laughs> uh, but do you think there are some particular reasons for that growth? Well, I think at the end of the day, you know, the num you know going back to the numbers, uh, if, you look, if you were to go back four or five years, uh, there was a study that was done – uh, by the Texas International Produce Association and Texas A&M AgriLife Extension. And back then, you know, they had estimated a growth of over 50% in the next four or five years. So we're here within that time period. And it looks like, you know, regardless of what's going on, I think we're just, we're just seeing more, more shipments. I, I, I don't think we can pinpoint one particular thing. Obviously, the fact that the consumer in the United States you know, is the one that consumes and, and purchases these products, you know, there's just a higher demand for it, I guess, you know, uh, uh, if you look, if you look at the, if you look at us on a pie chart, uh, just USDA numbers, January through September, uh, we're at 65% uh, of, of, of all the, we're crossing 65% of all the produce that ships from Mexico to the United States through Texas land ports of entry. So that's a, that's a big number. It's a big chunk of that pie compared to other ports. What kind of uh, logistics and cross-border challenges uh, have you faced uh, regarding that whole new produce season? I think it goes back to, um, you know, the protectionism that's, that's taking place. There's, a, there's this thing called the Tomato Suspension Agreement that uh, began back in April, April 1st, April 4th, around that time frame. And what that means is that Commodities such as tomatoes, peppers, and, and some, some, some of those products that are coming in from Mexico are subject to more scrutiny, uh, to higher inspection, because obviously, you know, there's been a um, there's been a some type of an agreement that has taken place between the U.S. Department of Commerce and uh, Mexico importers to be subject to the, that higher inspection, uh, because obviously the U.S. wants to see their product you know, put up on the shelves and sold and, and grow more product, grow more of those, you know, tomatoes, for example, like in the Florida area, for example. Um, so those are some of the challenges we've been seeing. But at the end of the day, you know, these are prime products that are coming in from, from Mexico. Uh, and, and the people of the U.S., you know, uh, depend on these products. And we consume these products every day. But there's always going to be challenges, you know, logistics-wise, you know, there's always, again, you're subject to a higher scrutiny, uh, a higher percentage of trucks being inspected. You know, I think that the number they had spoken about back then, back in April, was like now 80% of these shipments were going to be subject to, to more intensive inspections. And we've seen that. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're still, you know, getting them through. The, the product is getting to market. It's getting to the consumer. And that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah. 
Speaking of agreements, then, uh, the USMCA has been in operation for a little bit now. Uh, what is your assessment on how it's affecting uh, things on the ground with you guys now? You know, it's been a, I think it's been one of those things where our customers, our, our, our investors, and a lot of foreign investment here taking place in, in here in FAR particularly, um, it's just kind of instilled more confidence in investing. You know, uh, if, you, if you were to look outside my window right now, we have a produce park. This is an uh, 100-acre tract produce park, and this is full of almost full now of uh, cold warehouses. So these are folks that were already importing, for example, you know, produce products coming in from Mexico, and they decided to just start investing uh, because they were either leasing warehouse space from someone else or they, they weren't as close to the bridge as they would like to be. The city offered them this space here. They put the money into it. They developed the land. The city developed the land, put in all the infrastructure, city services. And these guys, you know, they, these investors uh, have put in a lot of money uh, to, put up, to put up walls and, and, and ensure that this product has a place to, to be uh, stored in while it gets distributed. So, again, I think USMCA has really come to just instill more confidence in, in, in trade. I think this is what people were waiting for, our customers, the, the trade industry or the trade community. <clears throat> they wanted to see something in writing. And once this thing got signed and, and enacted upon, I think that just made people just more confident, you know. And, and we keep seeing it. We've always seen it, but I think it wasn't until then that we noticed that, you know, things were just going up and up. You know, it was just it was making, making more sense with a positive outlook. Has the new agreement changed your relationship with U.S. trading partners and uh, with global trading partners as well? I think it, it's only enhanced it. You know, uh, at, I think at the end of the day, as I mentioned, you know, uh, we have the mechanism, we have the bridge, we have the services. <clears throat> All we needed was that something in writing. And, and again, you know, by having that, you add that on to your, to your, your, your sales, you know, to you, what, what you're doing, what you're offering and uh, it's something that was uh, that was needed. It was something that was being asked for, you know. So I think it's only enhanced our relationship at, at any level. Okay. Do you see any increases in uh, FDI in Mexico due to the agreement? We're so, we're seeing more, you know, foreign direct investment um, in Mexico. Yes, we see it, but we're seeing it here more. We're seeing the foreign the foreign investment coming to the U.S. And we've been seeing it hasn't really stopped. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, and, 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 and this, is, this goes back to U.S., back before USMCA. And while we were negotiating, renegotiating the original NAFTA agreement, you know, people were, were continuing to move forward with investments, you know, both in the U.S. and Mexico. And that's why you see a lot of this growth. So we would, you know, we would talk about how more of the, like, for example, the shipping companies, the transportation companies, they're adding new fleet they're adding new trucks. Um, they're, you know, folks, you know, that are that are growing uh, certain products in Mexico. They're 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 just buying more 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 land to grow these crops in. They're investing more in in, in ensuring that the product is safe uh, to be brought into the United States. Part of the Food uh, Food uh, Modernization Act, the Food Safety Modernization Act. So yes, I mean, uh, I think we've always seen it. We've never really seen a a, a, a decline here. Are there any developments uh, for, say, 2021 and beyond that you kind of foresee, uh, particularly with the USMCA in place? 
Absolutely. So for us, for example, as a city, you know, we're a department of the city of FAR and uh, we're also investing. So, for example, we just broke ground uh, back early September. We just broke ground on two projects, infrastructure projects inside the port, inside the federal port of entry uh, that we've been planning for the last five years. So we were the first bridge to jump on board this uh, public-private partnership, in this case public-public, uh, with the federal government, known as the Donations Acceptance Program, otherwise known as DAP. So we signed on with CBP and GSA from the get-go back into the late 2014. We had our first agreement signed and an MOU signed back in uh, the summer of 2015 to develop these projects. And these projects, really what they call for is additional infrastructure. You know, we have, we're adding two additional northbound commercial lanes and the corresponding booths. And we're also adding two additional northbound um, uh, commercial exit lanes for trucks. Uh, so what this is going to do is obviously make our port more efficient. Uh, this is going to allow some 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 trucks, for example, those that are empty trucks that are bringing in nothing but an empty shell, uh, and those that are certified by the federal government that are vetted by the federal government, such as the CTPAT trucks, to go gate to gate, meaning they don't have to step foot inside the import lot. So what is that going to do? That's only going to allow for more capacity. It's going to allow for a more streamlined process. Uh, less scrutiny, obviously, and, and a faster shipping time. So one of our, you know, our, our, our model right now is in far, far International Bridge, investing big for faster trade. And that's exactly what we're doing. But we're also working on a bigger project. And this is something we started back in October of last year. And uh, we started in Mexico because Mexico had moved really quickly on uh, making a huge investment in their aduana, otherwise known as their, their customs area or their port on their side. And they put about $90 million into that. So the next step for us was to build a second span of the bridge. So currently the FAR International Bridge, three miles in length, but from, from the United States to Mexico, it's three miles in length. And uh, we're, we're going to be investing close to, I would say, about $40 million on our end to make an expansion. Mexico will be doing the same thing, about 35 to $40 million to expand their side so we're working very closely with Mexico, the U.S. We have our engineers on both sides of the border. Uh, we're entering phase three. We just submitted the presidential permit uh, amendment application to the Department of State in D.C., and that was uh, in turn handed over to the White House on October the 1st. So what we're banking on is that we'll have um, an amended presidential permit by February, March timeframe so that we could be authorized to construct a second span. So what we'll do We'll add another three miles of bridge, so it'll be a, a twin bridge with another four lanes. So this is obviously going to increase our capacity um, by a lot, and uh, and that's one of the things that we have to be ready for. Yeah. Uh, aside from infrastructure, uh, are there other things that uh, Far Bridge is uh, investing in or looking into to help facilitate uh, more of those good logistics connections? Absolutely. So. We're members of many different associations in Mexico and the U.S. We're members of different trucking associations, transportation, logistics, you know, produce, you name it. So one of the things we've discussed uh, with, with some of these associations is, is to, to, to uh, for example, uh, to, to continue to pay maybe overtime hours for officers um, uh, to, to increase the inspection, you know, that sort of thing, if it needs to be. Uh, we've also started a... Uh, a program for internships here locally. So it's more of a locally grown. So UTRGD, which is our, our main university here in Edinburgh, 
um, is partnered up with the city of FAR and Texas International Produce Association and the federal government. So now we have interns. So these are homegrown students that are already go going to start working inside the port and therefore, you know, develop their skills and, and develop a career here uh, inside, uh, inside our federal port of entry. Um, so things like that, these public-private partnerships, investing in overtime pay for officers, uh, even paying salaries for full-time employees at the federal level through, through some mechanisms, through some, through, through some other partnerships, developing a school for truck drivers, you know, developing a association. <clears throat> these are things that we've kind of had a hand in already but not to, not to the highest level. So we're working on that. We've developed a, an oil and gas committee. We've developed a, a strategic uh, industrial committee as well. So we're looking forward to continuing those partnerships and, and learning from the trade and the folks that are moving uh, these products back and forth at all levels, you know, transportation, customs, brokerage, you name it, and, and continue to put our, 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 our money where our mouth is and, 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 and continue to invest and put more infrastructure in place and things of that nature, more programs yeah. in place. All right. As the uh, pandemic is still uh, top of mind for a lot of people, what kind of safety uh, measures are you implementing for uh, employees there at the bridge? We're following all the CDC guidelines. As a matter of fact, the city of FAR really, uh, really stepped forward and was proactive from the very beginning. Uh, all city employees wore masks every day. Um, take our social distancing very, very seriously. Uh, for example, this Thursday, we're going to have an event. It's going to be an outdoor event. It's the start of the produce season, the kickoff event. And, you know, we're taking all these guidelines into consideration. And I think it's, it's already come to the, to the point where everybody understands that this is a necessity. We cannot afford not to wear our masks. We cannot afford to, to just, you know, let our guard down. So uh, at any level at the city and in partnership with our folks in, at the federal level in Mexico, in the U.S., state level, we're all following the same guidelines. And I think that the city of FAR has come out on top. If you're looking at other neighboring cities, uh, we have um, obviously, we haven't had any, 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 major, any major cases, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I think we saw that in the very beginning, March, April timeframe. But in the last few months, we haven't seen any cases here develop. And uh, we've been doing really good. Uh, and, and our customers are under, very understanding. Now our new facilities are more friendlier. Uh, they, they have more of a, uh, we, we actually remodeled our facilities. And so they offer a more of a friendly environment for people to come in and make payments, taking all the necessary precautions, you know, and, and, and all that into consideration. So we're just playing it very safe. Good, good, yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, from... 2021 uh, and beyond uh, what is your view on where the uh, Mexican economy is headed wow <laughs> well <laughs> you know we depend on Mexico so much they are for they're our number one trading partner we, we, we want to wish hope for the best and wish them the best uh, you know the Mexican government is, is I don't think it's, it is where it needs to be you know um, there's there's deficits in Mexico uh, I don't think the leadership is in the right place uh, you know, and it's not just me speaking. This is what we learn from our, again, from our customers, from our trade partners, stakeholders. Uh, but it is what it is. You know, we, we've adapted. Uh, we're going to continue to adapt. Um, the Mexican economy is, is, you know, we depend on it. And, uh, and, and our folks, you know, the good thing is that 
most, for example, let's talk about like customs brokers. You know, they have customs brokerage firms in the U.S., but they also have customs brokerage firms in Mexico. So that's a good thing. So those partnerships that that you know that spreading that the far spreading of the services is very important to us. So maybe at the national level, um, it's not where it needs to be, but I think here locally, regionally, it is. And and I think based on the fact that even Mexico has invested so much money in infrastructure and continues to do so, and we're about to secure some major funds in Mexico for the second span of the bridge, uh, I think that that is going in the right direction. So, you know, it is what it is. Okay. And uh, for our audience who wants to find out more information about FAR International Bridge, uh, give them somewhere to go. Absolutely. So you can just go to farbridge.com. Uh, everything is uploaded there. Our crossings reports, everything is transparent. Uh, you'll be able to see a video there of, of our projects, of our expansions. Uh, they can also just call us directly. Uh, they can call me directly if they need to. They can call me at 956-638-2707 to answer any questions. We're going to be making a big push uh, marketing-wise through social media. We just started uh, our our Facebook campaign March, April, and then we just got on LinkedIn recently and Twitter. So we're really expanding our horizons there when it comes to social media and and, and going forward. So uh, we'll be able to provide updates as needed hours of operation, uh, wait times, you know, and a lot of, a lot of what we're doing right now based on, on these projects, there's a lot of studies that are coming forth, like a cost benefit analysis, traffic studies, you know, environmental assessment, things that traffic assessments. So we'll be able to share that information as, as soon as we get it. Sounds like a lot of expansion, uh, exciting expansion going on for FAR International Bridge. So congratulations on that and best of luck with everything else going on. Uh, Luis Pazan, thank you so much for coming on. Stay safe. Yes, sir. Thank you, Jeff. You too. Y'all be safe out there. Take care. Inbound Logistics Magazine is the information leader in supply chain and logistics management. Start your free print and digital subscription today by visiting bit.ly slash getil. That's bit.ly slash get underscore il and stay ahead of the 3PL game. The Inbound Logistics Podcast is a production of Inbound Logistics Magazine. For the most in-depth information around logistics, transportation, and supply chain practices, get your free print and digital subscription at inboundlogistics.com slash subscribe. Connect with us via LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for the most current developments in the industry. If you'd like to leave us some feedback or have a topic you'd like to see covered in a future episode, call our dialogue line at 888-878-3247 or leave us an email at podcast at inboundlogistics.com. I'm your host, Jeff Vita. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time here on the Inbound Logistics Podcast.